Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Hi, everybody. We are talking to Kate Davenport today. Kate is the foster parent recruiter, trainer, and licensor for Montgomery County Child Welfare. What a title. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what a title. It's like, you know, you know, there were so many times we all think about what are our titles throughout, you know, and, and wow, that's a title that, you know, it's a mouthful. That's why Dana had you do it this day. <laughs> Kate, welcome. We're so excited you. that you're here today and, and what a huge role you play in our foster care system. You know, I am a very blunt guy and probably sometimes um, I always say to Dana, probably maybe some people haven't been on our show or maybe they haven't because I am, I tell it like it is. And as I did in my book, as I've done all of the shows that I've been on, I need to tell people where we have fallen short. And by the way, this this entire podcast we do is to educate people and hope that they will step up and do something to help a child who deserves hope and dignity. And the fact of what you're doing, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. So tell me, how long have you been doing what you're doing now as a recruiter? As a recruiter, I, I am in my fourth year, I believe, and you, you, just now you made me feel like I was um, so special and, and so unique being the recruiter, but I do want to assure you that Montgomery County has a team of social workers who work together on recruitment and licensing and uh, what's the other one? Training, that's right, so that we're, we're all... We're a team and we're working together to, to try to maximize uh, the amount of uh, wonderful foster parents and resource parents we have for this county. So, you know, for Reese and I, we started the process over 10 years ago. Um, we were actually living in D.C. and when we decided to be foster parents. And so we went through the process. And I know that so much has changed in 10 years. Mind you, we kept our license active for five years after that. Mm -hmm. So, it, um, you know, and I do realize things have changed. But, but, you know, I'm very honest in the book about how dysfunctional I find it to be a foster parent and mm -hmm. to be, um, to get licensed. And, you know, I feel like um, it is, it is, People do not have to get a license, Dana, by the way, to be a parent. But for foster parents, we have to jump through the most ridiculous, craziest hoops I've ever seen. And at the end, when I always think, and I say this, I talk about the bunk, bunk bed rules. Mm -hmm. But how's Marilyn look at that for the bunk bed rules? Verboten. Bunk beds are verboten. Not allowed. See? How yeah, unbelievable. I understand. So, my, so I have four children, okay? I would love to have more. Um, I think my husband is on that teeter point where we'd have more. Rooms are very large. Um, my boys love their bunk beds, and we could easily take another two or three kids. But because our state, guys, listen up to this. This is the, I, you've, I've had people reach out to me. I've talked about it in my book. You know, our county actually just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, our county just stopped Venetian blind strings because of hanging a child, which I truly love that idea. 
you mean yes, that you can't have hanging right cords. You right. have to secure them up. You have yes, to do the secure law. Right. And, right. And which, by the way, I know Angel's mom. I'm I'm good friends with her. She's an amazing woman, and I'm so happy to hear that law pass. But bunk beds, you know. Tell me about that. Well, you're speaking to a woman whose own children until recently had bunk beds. So, you know, yes, I am a, a human being who also has to <laughs> work with an organization that has rules. And I completely feel for my foster parents when they're going through this home study process. You you come to us and you say, can I please help a child? And we say, absolutely. Here are the ways you need to completely change your life, including if you have bunk beds in your home, it's time to dismantle them. And one of the ways I try to put it for my foster parents is, you know, I try to make everything light and, you know, sort of joking. And I'm like, oh, gee, I wish we could all sit down with whoever it was that ruined bunk beds for the rest of us. I mean, I don't know what it was. How do we that, do that? How I, do we do that? Right. I don't. Who do we talk to? Okay. So, so Lisa Merkin, I know you hear these, these podcasts and I <laughs> love you. She runs Child Family Services. Hi, Lisa. Um, I, I, who do we talk to? Because because I I travel the country and talk to so many different recruiters and, and and social service agencies, and we're one of the few states that have this ridiculous rule. Oh, are we really? Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize we oh, were unique in that. Oh way. yeah, no, oh. we're very unique in that. Um, I know. actually saw a post on Instagram the other day on one one of the foster care hashtags that I follow, and it was a room full of bunk beds, and somebody said every foster parent's dream because mm-hmm. they could have all these bunk beds to have all these kids, and I was like, not here. Yeah, <laughs> no. isn't, that, isn't that crazy? And, and you know, what I have to think is that it's it's kind of like Angel's Law. It, something must have happened uh, to, to make it so that someone must have fallen, someone must have not maintained a bunk bed, or someone got hurt. So we just decided, well, rather than, you know, use common sense and understand occasionally these things happen, let's just let's just get rid of that rule or get rid of the uh, possibility of having bunk beds. I mean, the other thing that's not allowed are uh, trundle beds, anything that or a cot, you know, anything that's like a temporary sleeping situation. So, yeah, I I don't know who it was who, who ruined it for the rest of us. I would think, you know, it's someone in in Baltimore that we would need to talk to about it but yeah, that we're going to have it yeah. okay we're going to make it happen we're going to make it happen so so tell us walk us through the, the the day of the life of a person who wants to be a foster parent tell us exactly you know i i say this all the time that you have to have that that feeling within your heart that you want to make a difference for a child mm-hmm. and to bring a child into your home you know that by the way I, I the kids who are in our foster care system are there because of choices other people made yep. and they're not there because of choices they made and 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 our main goal and we talk about this is reunification you know mm-hmm. we you know I think the biggest mistake that we make um, throughout our country is when a child comes into the system I believe that there should be a round table and the foster parents should be sitting there the birth parents should be sitting there the guardian of light should be sitting there the castle worker should be sitting there the social worker should be sitting there and in the middle of the table is a picture of this young child and we all look at each other and say okay we're all here together because we care about this child so what can we do to make this outcome the best it can be for the child does that mean that the birth parents and the foster parents should start becoming friends you better believe it we do more damage by pulling a child away from a foster parent and giving them back to their parents and not allowing any contact and vice versa, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So tell me, walk me through the, the day of the life of someone who calls you up and says, you know, I'm thinking I want to 
be a foster parent? First of all, I say, that is great to hear. I love hearing from like-minded people who are thinking of ways of helping children in our community. Um, a day in the life of a foster parent is, well, if you've ever been a parent, it's a lot like that, only you get a lot more strangers in your life telling you what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And so, um, you know, you have a, a child who's a stranger coming to your home. You need to make sure that they're in the right school. That uh, and if they if they aren't in the school in your area, we are going to you know, are, do we need to get a a bus in place? And while we're getting the bus in place, do you have the flexibility to get the child to school on your own in another jurisdiction? We need to make sure that that child is getting to their first doctor's visit, and so do you have the time to get get the child? What if I say no? What if I say no? What if I say, you know what, I'm more than happy to give you the bed, mm -hmm. and I'm more than happy to feed this child, and I'm more than happy to put clothes on this child's back, but I work full-time, and mm -hmm. the doctor's appointments, I need you to take care of it. What are you going to do? Well, I would try to massage that a little bit, because I just heard no a lot. And so, <laughs> you know, um, when we when we just come up and say no to each other, and I'm including social workers in this, we're not really working in the child's best interest. So if there's a way that we can work as a team, if there's a way that we can have our community service aid take the child to uh, the doctor's visit, we will absolutely see if that's a possibility. But um, yeah, this this isn't you know this isn't a bed and breakfast. This is um, a this this is a place where you are going to be the child's temporary parents, and so any uh, need that the child has, we are asking you to, to help us meet those needs. Um, but something you were just talking about, like you wish that everyone comes together and talks about how are we going to meet the needs of these children. That's something called a family involvement meeting that Maryland is really trying to push and, and have more of these meetings take place and earlier on in the case. Because uh, the other thing that I'm, I'm, I encounter a lot, and I think it's understandable just from what we see in movies and, and social media and all that, is a lot of foster parents come in, or, or potential foster parents come in, they say, I'm all in, whatever you need for me to do for the child, I'm there, but... Do I have to meet the parents? And that's where a lot of the initial fear or resistance comes in. So as early on as we can try to bring uh, parents and foster parents together and realize that they're part of the same team, I, I really do think you're right. I mean, that would absolutely be you know, one of the, the things that really needs to change so that we realize we're all, all working for the best interests of the same child. We're all on the same team. Yeah, see, I have red flags immediately if I hear someone say, do I really need to meet the parents? Because at the end of the day, these children are there made by the parents. And I think, you know, the reason we build our communities were to take care of each other. And if we're, we all fall one time in our life. Let me say, we all fall. And to have people there to help us, the more people that are there to help us, the healthier the child will be. I mean, come on, we have to look at the statistics of our kids in the system. Two out of three are going to be dead or in jail. We have, we failed them from the moment they walk into the system. And I think that if we supported the parents, you know, and I know I'm going to get a lot of emails about this, you know, I hear this all the time. Um, but if we supported the parents 
who are the biological parents, I think we would see less number of kids in our foster care system. I think so many times that we, we give them such a disservice by thinking they're bad people or they're, you know, they don't care about their kid. And, you know, a lot of times you look at drug addiction, mental health, um, we're doing nothing whatsoever but yanking these kids away, which to me, in so many ways, I think it's even more damaging. Um, I, I, hope, I hope this makes sense, the, <laughs> what I'm about to say. The very first thing I do in any one of my foster parent trainings is I take out my cell phone and I say, okay, I am putting you on silent. And then I put it down. And then I turn to my foster parent co-trainer and I say, Jason, why did I... What, what am I doing? Why did I just do that? And Jason, he knows what to say. He says, why, Kate, you are modeling the behavior that you hope to see in others. And so that just trying to be the message we're communicating from day one to our potential foster parents is that we need to be modeling what we hope to see come out of our foster children. We need to, we need to show them, um, you know, how, how to communicate their feelings in a healthy way, how to express what they need and be self-advocates. And I think that's another way. I think I just think you're absolutely right that we, the system, modeling more how we can get our foster parents and our social workers and our biological parents modeling what does it look like to be part of a team and how to work together um, so that we can all come to the best outcome. I love that. And I think that we should do some studies about that. I think that, that Kate, we could figure it out, and Dana, that if we followed some children who had that model mm -hmm. and compare them to kids who didn't, I guarantee you're going to see a different outcome. So how many hours is required in um, Montgomery County for you to become a foster parent? What I say is you get to join us for training for 27 hours. 27 hours. Mm -hmm. um, are you flexible about those hours? Are we able to do any of that online? What a good question. Why, yes, the state just uh, started a contract with the Child Welfare League of America and with Foster Parent College so that instead of schlepping over to our office for 27 hours, um, I believe 12 of those hours are online now. And then 15 hours, you get to come um, in person for, for three-hour chunks. Or we also do, um, I started doing Saturday classes as well. So you can do two classes at a time. So just, you know, because not everyone, a lot of people work nights. Yeah. A lot of, um, especially, um, you know, restricted foster care when you have relatives who are coming in to become licensed foster parents for their, for their own um, relatives who have come into foster care. Uh, yeah, yeah, just trying to find ways to adjust our schedule to better meet uh, their needs so we can get them licensed faster. So, you know, I, that that's one of my uh, things is even if I have a full class, if we have someone who's trying to get licensed for a relative, I will, I, I you know, I will make my class over full because it's just so, I, I just really feel for people who have to go through this process and sort of prove that they're eligible, you can't see, but I'm doing the finger quotes, <laughs> eligible to take care of their own relatives. So just, mm -hmm. just finding ways that we can be more, you know, uh, uh, customer, better customer service. How's right. That? I have a niece right now who is um, going through what we call kinship mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to um, get her sister's um, children. And it is crazy to me. And she calls me up and she'll say to me, you know, 
how did you go through this? How did, and I was like, I was like, baby girl, this is, you know, welcome to my hell that I hear about every single day about how difficult we make it. So we know right now that you were required a certain number of hours, 12 in our county, we can do online. And by the way, throughout the country, we're seeing more and more online. Um, I know, by the way, to let everybody know, you have to have a, you have to have a fire coat, um, a fire plan. So if the, so if there's a fire in the house, you have to draw the fire plan out and everybody, and by the way, you know, for the fire. And I will tell you, um, we, our home caught on fire on Christmas Eve last year. And, um, I will say that that fire plan, Mm -hmm. you just, you, just because you're a foster parent, everybody should have a fire plan mm-hmm. because we, our kids have been raised with having a fire plan. And, um, and even though we have adopted them, we still have always talked about the fire plan. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that it was, it kept us organized and safe. And, um, and so then the other thing is, is you have to do a lead paint testing. Is that still required in there's our a, county? There's a very complicated table depending on when your house was built um so a lot of the n- newer homes that's not even well my house is built in 66 so i know so, I'm, yeah, gonna have to have a, I'm gonna have to have a lead yeah, paint sorry about that. um gotta do a physical mm-hmm. gotta do a physical um i can be single correct you can be single race not to worry i'm not honey but i can be single <laughs> okay yes um do you look at my income what we look at is that we ask you to provide we yes we do ask you to provide a pay stub um, and or last year's file tax, what is that called? The W-2 or, or what has it from, from the last year. And we ask you just to fill out a general budget. So there is not an income requirement, but what we're just looking to see is just that you are, are taking in more than is going out, that this is a, a financially stable household. And what about childcare expenses? Because that's something that would be huge for two working parents. You know, childcare is thousands of dollars a month, uh, especially in Montgomery County. So to take on another child that needs childcare, whether it's part-time or full-time, that's massive. Why, Dana, you've hit on one of the things I would change about the child, uh, the foster care system. So daycare is, I say, during my information session, I'd say this is the big ask. This is the the onus for, for foster parents is that they are responsible for finding daycare for the children who come into their home. And I also just say, if you live in Bethesda or Chevy Chase or Potomac or a lot of Kensington, you live in the daycare desert, which means that there aren't home daycares or really just aren't licensed home daycares in your area, which means the daycares in your area um, are probably charging, let's say, $2,000. And your foster care stipend for the month to meet the needs of the child is going to be about $900. And then your additional daycare stipend is going to be about $1,000 per month. So that adds up to, what, $1,900? And yet the daycare costs $2,000 a month. So now you're paying for the honor of being a foster parent. So that really is something that my, um, my coworkers and I have been trying to get more attention about because um, a lot of people just say, wow, this sounded like a great idea. I really thought this would be great for my family. But I, I don't see why I should be, you know, making thousands of dollars uh, investment, uh, uh, you know, beyond, you know, they just can't afford to do it. So, so I want to know something about that. So, but you, I mean, you as the county, you give a list of daycare providers that you mm-hmm. provide vouchers to them. And if I choose to, that doesn't happen in Montgomery County, because I do know that it happens in Maryland and happens in D.C., that in other counties they give you a list of, of, of 
daycare providers mm -hmm. that are approved through the state, and they pay the voucher directly to the daycare provider. And that's what we're hoping is going to happen in Montgomery County as well. And I'm a recruiter, so I'm going to talk in a second about all the wonderful reasons to be a foster parent. But right now, what it is is that we receive a, a child daycare subsidy. So it's a set an amount um, approved by the state. And it will be paid to any licensed daycare, but it's not that they're, but it's not a voucher that covers the full cost. But it should be. So that's that's what needs to happen. So you can find any daycare you want, and they can have any price that they want. But you're only going to get reimbursed the set amount from the state. So if you don't have any wonderful child um, home daycares in your area that you know charge about half what these big corporate daycares cost, then you know your only options are going to be way over the amount that we reimburse. And so that's that's what needs to needs to change. What about medical? What about medical? So do who pays for dental, eye, and health? All um, that is completely covered. All children who come into uh, out-of-home services is what we call it. Uh, go in out of home care, they all get covered uh, by medical assistance. So I talk all the time a lot about the stipend that is given to foster parents, mm -hmm. okay? And I truly believe that the failure of our system is that we don't do two things. Number one, we do not set the children up for financial success for when they do age out. From the moment they walk into the system, we should always think about reunification, but we also should think realistically of the aging out process. Mm -hmm. This year alone, we'll see 30,000 children age out of our system, mm -hmm. and within two years, 70% of them will be homeless. They walk out of a system, and I know in some places they get a check for $500, some places they get a check for 250 but we don't financially set them up for success. Why is we as a county, and by the way, we're, our state is like second highest paid when it comes to stipends. Did you know that? Yes, I agree. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's up there, definitely. I mean, it's up there. It's like Arizona, D.C., and Maryland. Um, why wouldn't a portion of that stipend would be required to put in an interest-bearing savings account for these children when they age out? Well, the, the children are supposed to get allowance. And I, I just had, I was just visiting some foster parents who, even though they have a... Um, what are, how old are those children? They're, I think, 11 and 5. And they were saying, they're, they're young, but we, we need our social worker to, um, to help set up their savings accounts because their, their piggy banks are bursting. So that's one of those things that comes is a complication of being a foster parent is there are a lot of things you can't do because you're not the guardian, right? The limited guardianship uh, is with the state. So certain things like opening bank accounts is something that would fall under the purview of the social worker. So I have certainly taken... When I was a caseworker for teenagers, would take them to go open their bank account, and then the trick is making sure they don't figure out how to withdraw their money. Uh, you know, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, and so by the way, when I say financial success, I do not mean mm -hmm. that we give them a check when they turn eighteen or twenty-one or whichever mm -hmm. state requires. Because by the way, all of our states are, can't get on the same page. I'm just saying that have a net, you know, for down payment of a new car. You know, I mean, look at the statistics of kids who are in the system that are over the age of 16 and do not have a driver's license. Why? Because there's so much of that cost falls on the, the foster parents, mm -hmm. and they're not required to do it. So, you know, let's talk about some amazing things now. Amazing things okay. about, because let me tell you, I look at my four babies, who, by the way, they're no longer babies now. Or I look always at, your babies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tell my children I remind that. them that all the time. And I also, you know, recent I have been looking at, you know, um, bringing older kids into our home, you know, mm -hmm. first thing I might have to do, though, is try to get through this bunk bed law 
mess, but um, to, and I see the, the light in their eyes and the love they give me. And, you know, I, I just said this yesterday when I was, I was giving a, a speech and I said, I have, my children make me better humans. They truly do. They make me better humans every single day. So I'd love to hear some of the, because by the way, being a parent, that's a hard job. <laughs> it is a, it's a hard job. Okay. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about what my husband is doing right now. He's a stay-at-home dad and he's doing laundry and, you know, the kids are all off to school and he's cleaning up the breakfast dishes and it is a hard job, but it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's so rewarding. So talk to us a little bit about that good feeling that you get by being a foster parent. Well, I, from what I gather from my wonderful foster parents that I work with, uh, that good feeling is about 95% of the of the foster parent experience, and that other 5% is when you get to deal with us lovely social workers. Uh, but, you know, I, I think what's, what is that hurdle that people have to overcome is that initial surprise when a child comes to their home, and already the foster parents are primed for... The love is already here. We already know it's yours. It's yours to have. And, you know, overcoming that hurdle, that realization, you talked about it earlier, that the children are in foster care because of somebody else's actions. And that, um, that those children are not initially happy to be there. Um, they want to go back to wherever they, to the home that they came from, no matter what the circumstances were. However, there, there is that transition period and my, my most dedicated foster parents, you know, the, the ones who, you know, I just, I wish I could clone them, are the ones who are able to model for the children that it's okay, it's okay for your heart to go in more than one direction. It's okay for you to be happy here, it's okay for you to feel safe here, and for you also to miss your parents, to, to look forward to visitation. And um, I mean, they're just, they're modeling for, for their foster children that, uh, that love is love where, wherever you can find it. And so even when those children reunify, those are the foster parents I see who have those lasting relationships after the children return home because they haven't vilified the biological parents. But these are also the same, you know, foster parents who, if the child needs an adoptive home, like they don't even think twice, of course, this person will be a member of our family forever. So, I mean, that's just sort of, when you talk about that calling, it's those people who just, um, they, they don't have any conditions on what what love looks like. That's, you know, sort of that quality I'm looking for when, when people come through the door and say they want to be a foster parent. Um, is just, yeah. Unconditional I mean, love. Yeah. Unconditional love. You know, I, yeah, I talk about that all the time. Unconditional love. You know, we had a, Dana, we had a, a podcast not long ago, and I think I, I said, um, Every child, when they walk into a new home, um, the first thing we should say is, welcome home. Mm -hmm. Right. I think this was Jill we talked about it yeah. with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome home. Yeah. You know, I, I feel that, you know, and the fact is, is that, you know, these kids are, they have every right. This is the thing that I've always thought. They have every right to be angry. Mm -hmm. They have every right to be mad. Mm -hmm. They have every right to feel we failed them. They have every right to feel the whole universe has let them down. They truly do. They have the right to that. I've seen way too many times, though, that we feel that children shouldn't 
have those feelings and they come into this home and what do you mean you don't like this home look at all you have you have food now you have clean towels you have your own room what do you mean you don't like this what do you mean you want to talk about those people who were bad to you or neglected you or abused you we have to understand that it's it's as human nature we have to be able to express those emotions mm -hmm. and i think a good foster parent you know i say this to everyone if you want to be a good foster parent learn one to love unconditionally okay. number two get tougher skin because the anger that these children lash out is not because of you right. it's because of what they have gone through mm -hmm. and it does take sometimes months sometimes years mm -hmm. to figure out exactly what the connection is but you know let me tell you Kate I'm gonna tell you Kate you what you're doing I can't thank you enough I you know, I think that if you're listening to this podcast, that you realize that, you know, opening your home for a child for just even one day, just one day, can make such an impact, not only in that child's life, but in your life, in your life. You know, as we finish this podcast, you know, there's a couple things I would like. If I'm interested, where do I go? Well, if you're interested in being a Montgomery County foster parent, you would go to our website, montgomerycountymd.gov backslash foster parent to see when you can come to an information session. Or you could call 240-777-1664, our recruitment hotline. And the, the first step is to come to one of our information sessions. I promise you. One of the things I say is I respect my foster parents' time. You took the you're rushing here after work to come to an information session. You scarfed down the Luna bar. So I'm only going to make it 90 minutes. So you can get home and have dinner. Uh, so you come to an information session so you can hear what foster care program is, what it isn't. We have a foster parent who will come just to answer, you know, again, I tell you what the program should be like. And then we have a foster parent come and answer questions about what it's really like. And, uh, and then from there, if you like what you hear, that's when you um, send in that first pre-application so we can just do that initial screening. And, and you were talking about all the hoops that, that foster parents have to jump through. And, you know, it's one of those things, again, I, I, I try to keep it, I try to keep it light. I can't, you know, we talk about, about what the children need. And, you know, it's just one of the most traumatic things that, that happens to a child in foster care is that they were put in foster care. And so if we're going to put them through the trauma of removing them through their home, we have to ensure that the home that they're going to is going to be safe. So I, you know, I, I, I do understand that, you know, a lot of the questions we ask are invasive, but again, you, you were just talking about um, how foster parents need to be able to, to talk to children about, you know, what encourage children to talk about their feelings and express who they are. And that's part of the foster home study process. If you completely shut down at the sm smallest um, indication of stress or an uncomfortable topic, then maybe yeah. you're not going to be cut out to be a foster parent if the child comes up to you and discloses something. Well, you might them. not be a, a good parent. Okay, let's, well, uh, let's, let's take the F <laughs> word out of it. I mean, you know, the fact is you're yeah. exactly right. You know, I will tell you that the, the enjoyment for us, you know, we went through the system. Yes, a lot of hoops that we jumped through. Mm -hmm. The whole panicking where we were at 185 days and all of our paperwork was getting ready to expire. Oh, no. And we were waiting for a certificate. And I mean, it was crazy. But hey, we're... At the end of the day, would I do it again? Hell yes. At the end of the day, I was so lucky, you know, to have social workers 
who really, really cared. And social workers, I'll never forget our last social worker, Allison. She was absolutely amazing. And um, she would come into our home and, you know, we'd see her twice a month. Um, and she would come into our home and we would have all the paperwork waiting. And, you know, whether it was one of our children had a doctor's appointment and she would say, oh, you know, you guys make my case look so much easier. Mm. And I said to her, and I'll never forget it, as she was sitting there talking with one of my kids, I said, you know, we're all in this together. And that's what we have to understand as foster parents, is that we're all in this together. And that means anything that we can do for the well-being of that child, we should be doing it. For those of us who hear me talk about this, I say it all quite often, this is an industry that makes money on the backs of children in so many ways. But I also believe that not all foster parents are bad. I honestly believe that there are so many out there that do this for the right reason, the right reason, and that is to give hope and dignity to our, our youth that are in foster care. You know, Kate, I cannot thank you enough. Dana, what do you think? Um, well, I have, I actually have two questions. So I was wondering, what, how long does the process take from that initial going to that meeting um, to actually being licensed to be a foster parent? And what do most people end up actually having to go through? Because I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, I would have to change this about my house. I would have to get this. I would have to do that. And there's a lot of stuff and reasons why it would be a lot for us to be able to do. So what's the process like for most people and how long does it usually take? We've actually changed the process a lot so that um, it, it won't take as long. And my, my coworker, Sophie, and I, who is... Uh, the other recruiter specifically, we now, instead of, you know, you come to the information session, we tell you, this is what the process is like. And then instead of, we used to just like mail you, you know, a tome of paperwork in the mail and be like, okay, let us know when you're done. So now what we do is Sophie goes out to anyone who has sent us a pre-application, has taken the time to put themselves out there and say, I want to be um, a foster parent and welcome children into my home. Sophie will go out to their home, you know, make see their home and just um, rather than making you have to worry about what do I actually need to do? Like she'll go and see if there's anything that needs to be done about the house, but then she'll also talk through the paperwork with you, make sure that there aren't any questions, make sure that you have all the answers you need. And we have found that, that really shortens the process and it also, um, the retention rate has gone up of people we send, you know, uh, that people apply actually stay through the process because Sophie is taking that time to to thank them, show that appreciation for wanting to be part of this, and then making sure they really understand not only what we're asking but why we're asking it. You know, what is it about this that will um, keep children safe, or you know, why we need to know what color your car is. I don't know. And uh, so it used to be. I mean, it used to really be. I would say a six month process. That has gone um, way down uh, to. I would say probably the average is about four months. And I joke with my foster parents that if they're assigned me as their social worker to help them through this process, it's going to be two months. Like, you know, I, I have foster people, uh, foster parents to license. I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to dither. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's about not only, uh, Oh, and that's the other thing I was going to say is, you know, you're assigned a social worker who helps you through this process. And that's really how I see it is that this is new to you. You know, I've been doing this for years, but, you know, again, I want to express my appreciation that you want to join our team. And if you have any questions, I'm here for you. And if, if I haven't heard from you in a week, I'm going to reach out to you and say, hey, what's, 
what's going on? Was there, did, did, did Kaiser Permanente ever send you that medical form you needed? Because I, I know they can, uh, they can take their time to do things, you know, how can I help? So again, um, you're not alone in this. If, if you want to join our team, that's what you're going to get is you're going to get a team member who's, who wants to welcome you. Awesome. Thank you. And then the last question, which is something that Rob and I ask at the end of every podcast is if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be? We did talk about daycare. And I think that's, you know, just specifically, you know, just the, the people who are coming forward to be foster parents. I mean, they're already opening their home. They're already giving their energy to these children. So we certainly don't want them to be, opening their pocketbooks, right? We're supposed to be providing them support. So just finding a way to make that consistent in how we make sure that foster parents are getting, well, I mean, how our children are getting affordable daycare. And I know that's, you know, a problem that extends beyond just foster care. Um, The other trend I'm seeing, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, is just the ex... uh, just the trend more and more of expecting... um, any government's program to do more with less. And so there, it's it's already, I don't know if you've ever heard of the stereotype. It's, it's kind of hard being a social worker. It's, it's a little bit stressful. And a little? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, um, and so unfortunately, you know, the more we're asked to do with fewer resources, then you're going to experience things like high turnover of social workers. And then you're going to have dissatisfaction of the families that are working in child welfare, and the you know, the biological families and the foster parents because they don't know who to email this week because you know it feels like they have a have a new social worker and I'm not trying to discourage people from from working with us but just um, again I, I just work with so many social workers who know exactly what they want to do with every single case but they have 20 of those cases and so it just um, it. It, it gives them. It doesn't give them satisfaction doing the work when they're they're not able to give a single one of their cases the attention it deserves, and you know that leaves more to the to the foster parents to do. So just you know whatever ways we can uh, band together and support each other, um, you know realizing that uh, for the moments, yeah, we we don't have as much to work with. Um, you know, that brings up the, the topic, and I, I think about this all the time. You know, I, we we as a, a government um, have failed so many ways, and this is definitely one of them. Our, our, our most valuable resources, we put the least amount of money in. And, um, and I really do believe, and I'm positive that we will see change. I've always wanted, you know, we're a national um, charity. This podcast is, is heard all over the world. And I always want people to say that I, I live in the state of Maryland. I am proud to call this my home. I am proud that Montgomery County is where we have set our roots for our children, where our, our charity started. Um, but I do believe that our, our government officials need to get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And they need to realize that, that you know what they're doing is not benefiting anyone. So, you know, as I say this quite often, and no offense, my friend, but the system is shattered and it has to be rebuilt. And, you know, yesterday I was speaking at a beautiful synagogue and one of the questions I ask every faith-based place that I go to is I say, when is the last time a social worker has ever come to your, your facility and recruited someone? And this synagogue who's here in our county 
um, said they've never heard from anyone. And I do think that we need to get back to the realization that we all are part of this community. And whether you look different than you or me or, you know, whether we're a child who has been brought into the system, I truly do believe that once we tell the story and we tell the story of what a benefit it is to, to help your community by helping a child in need, there are going to be more people out there than we think. I really do, my friend. No, and I... I absolutely know know what you're talking about, and and one of the issues we were running into was reaching out to to organizations or faith based organizations, sort of doing cold calls, like, "Hey, want to have a social worker come talk about the uh, need for foster parents?" And it never seems to to go anywhere. But again, I was just a stranger to that organization. But that's something that is actually developing. You'll be happy to hear in Montgomery County right now. My coworker Sophie, that I mentioned before, is spearheading this. But it's an interfaith. Oh, golly, what's it called? It's the Interfaith Coalition? Yes, so, yes. Yes, but it's it's a more and more churches and, and other faith-based organizations, excuse me, um, coming together for this exact purpose and several of these uh, places starting foster care ministries to see um, how they can help with recruitment from faith-based organizations as well as how to support foster families beyond how the, the government supports them. So that's something that is... And it's still in its beginning stages, but um, it is definitely gaining momentum. So hopefully we are definitely going to see more um, more of a community building. From I that. love that. Mm-hmm. I remember two years ago I had a meeting with Lisa Markin and Sydney Katz, our delegate. And that was one of the first things I talked about mm-hmm. is I wanted to know about marketing money. And I wanted to know how are we marketing to make sure that we have enough foster parents. And, and what I was told is that we were putting signs at bus stops and on the sides of buses. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said that that's I'm not riding a bus and I'm not looking at those and I said we need to you know Facebook ads yeah well you know that yes I agree look at our charity you know it's grown because of of social media but I truly do believe that if we all if we all would realize that the faith base could really change our foster care system and again I want people to realize we're not pushing religion of any sort on any child that's not what I'm talking about because at the end of the day, if you are a true faith-based person, you are here to serve. Yep. You're here to serve. You're not here to throw my beliefs down anyone's throat. I would never make a child go to a church because, you know, I go to that church or go to that synagogue or go to that mosque. Um, but what you're there to do is lift that child up, which is the reason we're here, is mm-hmm. to serve. So, Kate, listen, you are the best. Oh. You are the best. <laughs> I want to have you back. Like I tell all of our guests, you know, Dana and I say this isn't going to be the last time you're going to be on this podcast. And, you know, we're trying to to educate our public, to let people know about the system and how can they help. And again, if if you have just the just the least little thought that you might want to do this, please visit their website, go to their information meeting and really learn about it. And I say this, ask Ask, ask all the questions you can. The only dumb question is the question you do not ask. So, again, Kate, thank you so much. It's been another amazing podcast, Dana, and I have learned so much. And I actually live in this county. I know, right? Yes. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. 
And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.